I think you can get somebody from bad Santa to good Santa, but Jory, there's no training video that can get you to great Santa. That's <laughs> that, that comes, comes from the from heart. Here, yeah, the you're heart. born with <laughs> Good tidings and cheer to all, and welcome to another bite, the show where we rewatch some of the greatest and well, the most intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory Monroe, and I'm joined by John Dick. Say hello. Hey. <laughs> and fellow HubSpot Podcast Network host from the Hustle Daily Show, Jacob Cohen. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Good to have you, Jacob. On today's holiday episode of Another Bite, we have one company looking to take Christmas trees to a whole new level and a new spin on the mall Santa, because after all, why go to the mall when you can have Santa really brought to you? But before we get into that, a quick word from today's sponsor. There's no secret formula for better service throughout the customer journey, but there is the all new service hub from HubSpot. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI powered help desk. Also, you can easily support, strengthen, and grow your customer base. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. First, we have a way to bring more Funica to Hanukkah, introducing Mensch on a Bench. So our first pitch today comes to us from Neil Hoffman, and he is asking for a $150,000 stake for a 10% stake in his company, which puts us at around a $1.5 million valuation. And the problem that Neil is really solving for is that, you know, when you think of the holiday season, you think of like the smell of Christmas trees or like the sound of jingle bells, but that's not necessarily so inclusive if you're or potentially Jewish. So his prob or his product really solves for this with Mensch on a Bench, which is a new Hanukkah tradition designed to bring families together through a plush toy named Moshi and an accompanying storybook <laughs> that goes uh, through the traditions of Hanukkah. All right. Well, first of all, uh, this is like this product is like it's like a meme. Like there's an actual. <laughs> yeah. You've heard of Elf on the Shelf, but have you heard of? Shrek on a deck, like Barack Obama on a llama, Spoon on a raccoon. And so when Mensch on a Bench came out, I was like, I have not heard of that. I'm very excited to hear this pitch. Well, I, for one, uh, have actually owned this product. Amazing. Uh, Tell wow, us all right. <laughs> and I didn't even realize it was a Shark Tank product. But uh, yeah, I, I'm Jewish, so I uh, celebrate Hanukkah. Uh, the, the thing that struck me before we even get into the product itself, I, I thought it was interesting. He started the pitch saying, you know, he kind of thought of this when he, he was in his store, maybe with his son and son was jealous of the Christmas products. And I was thinking, I don't know what that's about. Hanukkah is an eight day holiday. <laughs> you know, there's eight days of presents and celebration. So I don't know what he's jealous about there, but uh it's almost beyond belief how niche this product is. Like, if you just mm -hmm. think about it, the market, only 2% of the U.S. population is Jewish. <laughs> but hey, niches get riches, as they say. That's right. I mean, that's, that's 15 million, like, there's 12 million people in the U.S., Jacob, are Jewish. Yeah. I don't it know. It is a lot, you, but it's... That's, that's it's, a lot of yeah. people. That's a lot of menches to sell. It is a lot of menches. Yes, that's true. I always have a soft spot for niche products, uh, though, because I feel like a lot of times niches are very underserved and you actually can charge like 
pretty good markup in a niche because people do want something that is much more relative for them. And so it's hard to imagine this product is going to become a product or even with line extension and we'll get into all that is going to be a hundred million dollar business, but uh, could definitely be a great hobby business for this entrepreneur and could really be something that uh, makes him a lot of money and brings a lot of happiness to a lot of Jewish families around the world. Definitely. And I think what was interesting, too, is that like as we as we start to kind of dig deeper into this product, we realize that Neil Hoffman, our founder, is actually a former Hasbro toy executive. So he's not just like anybody creating this like niche uh-huh. toy product. Yeah, I thought that was like a mic drop moment. Like that's <laughs> something that these these founders should almost start with when they come into these these rooms, because a lot of times the sharks aren't taking them seriously until they say something like that. And he almost didn't even say anything like that uh, until it kind of just happens to come up in conversation. Oh, yeah, I was a former exec at Hasbro. Oh, okay. Now let's get to business, you know? (laughs) Yeah, this is like a a Venn diagram situation here. And we really want to see both sides of the Venn diagram. Uh, Jewish parent, toy executive, overlap, and you get mensch on a bench. Uh, (laughs) I'm kind of with you. Like 90% of the time when you watch a Shark Tank pitch, they're like, so like tell the backstory. And you're like, uh... Okay, I guess like you clearly have no credibility to bring this thing to market. And so you like definitely need some expertise from a shark. It doesn't seem like Neil needs that at all because he's like, oh, yeah, I've already got like, you know, I've already sold all this product up front to these retailers, FOB. I'm, he's like, I'm like, okay, he's kind of got it like figured out because this is the industry that he has grown up in. Yeah. my I th- One thing I thought was was hilarious the whole time throughout this entire pitch was, as they were discussing these things, as they were discussing the different offers, the camera would just like pan back to the mensch on the bench. <laughs> and <laughs> this was actually brought up, I think maybe by Barbara. It's an ugly looking mensch. But that was brought up. They, <laughs> they wanted beard to improve is disheveled. It. It's <laughs> exactly. Like, you know. I thought what was interesting of our founder is that he seemed to want the money for building an app. Uh, which I thought was an interesting, like I, I thought I knew where this was going and what, what this uh, product was trying to do, but it then it took a left turn and I was very interested in what you two thought of that. Somebody once called me a mensch. Mm, After I go- great. Googled it, uh, I said, wow, that's one of the greatest compliments <laughs> I've ever received in my life. Uh, but like a mensch, I looked it up here. A mensch in Yiddish is a person of integrity, yeah. morality, dignity, with a sense of what is right and responsible. Like, can you imagine a better compliment for someone and a better lesson to get into the hands and the minds of youth than that? And so like, I guess that's where the app comes in is just this idea of like, actually what I want Mention the Bench to do is to become like a pop culture type framing to actually educate and inspire, uh, you know, people to take on some values of goodness, which I happen to think we kind of need in the world right now. I think that's where the app came from. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think that's exactly where his mind was at, but he did not lay that out well in the moment. I mean, if you're going to go digital, why not go like all in on like meta mensch, you know, (laughs) you'd have a whole metaverse where you and the mensch sit on a bench and talk about things. It would would cost like $250 billion to build uh, (laughs) if the sharks have that. Ah, yes. The great thing for him was like he came into this pitch already selling the product at retailers Bed Bath Beyond, Target, Toys R Us, which is what a, when a lot of founders come in 
to the Shark Tank. That's the only reason they're coming in is to try to get That's a why connection. They're there. So they can sell exactly. And he already had that. And I was almost like, I don't even really understand why he's there. <laughs> yeah, we talk about this a lot on this pod. Like, why does somebody go on Shark Tank? Is it for clout? Is it for connections? Is it they just don't know what to do and need uh, somebody who has experience to help? And this definitely felt like a clout play for me <laughs> uh, more than anything, given just how much distribution he already has. Uh, he's going to sell a million dollars of menches this year. Like he really doesn't need to give up equity. He certainly doesn't need to put his own home on the line to pay back <laughs> that 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 equity. Like this is a good business with with cash flow. And so I like I'm kind of surprised that he was so interested in getting a deal with a shark. That's fair. So knowing what we know about Mensch on a Bench, would you invest in this product if you were in the shark seat? I'd do an investment. I actually, I've thought about this. It is normally if a market is small, it doesn't get me very excited. I think this has such good product market fit potentially and could be sold at such high premium markup that I think it, it could be a nice return on my capital if I invested in it. Yeah, and I would invest in it just on the basis of like I know the the target customer so well and like I know lots of moms who will walk in or grandmas will walk in and see this and just be like I'm getting that for my grandkid. <laughs> what's what's interesting about Mensch on a bench is uh it taps into one of the more powerful types of positioning you can do which is identity-based positioning, right? If you can uh, position a product against somebody's identity, it can have the highest resonance of any positioning that you can put out as a marketer. And this does it in an extremely natural, intuitive way. To your point, grandmothers will walk into Bed Bath & Beyond and see it and say, that is me and my family. This product is for me. And it happens to be funny and it rhymes and it's a riff off of Elf on a Shelf, which is hugely popular for -hmm. Christmas. And I need, you know, I need to have a better Hanukkah experience. I think it's a winner. It kind of played out in our sharks a little bit, right? Because we saw uh, Kevin was basically like, don't quit your day job. Uh, Call it what, what it is. This is a unique hobby. We had to team up with Lori and Robert and they initially offered uh, $150,000 for 30%. Hoffman was not having any of it. Uh, he was like, <laughs> you know, uh, I will give you $150,000 for 15% with a personal guarantee that you'll get that money back in three years. So as John mentioned earlier, that's where he was like, I will take out a second mortgage if I have to. <laughs> and I think that actually was like one of the things that uh, Barbara came in uh, a bit. I feel like Barbara sometimes is like the shark to the rescue, even if she's not the one that lands the deal. Because she's like, don't put in your your house. Uh, if you if you make the uh, doll a little friendlier and I can rewrite the book to not be a rule book, I'll, uh, I'll give you $150,000 for 20%. Yeah. I was going to say, that was one of the lines of the episode, though, by the way, which is- 100%. Who made the side comment? By the time Barbara's finished, the men will be Catholic. Yeah, she has Mr. Wonderful. Yep. (laughs) It was so good. So the deal ultimately went to Lori and Robert, uh, which counter-offered $150,000 for 15% uh, in in the company, and that was the deal that our founder took. So Mazel Tov, amazing deal. Uh, ben, our Mensch on a Bench got its deal at the end of the day. Mazel Tov. Mazel tov. So where do we think this company is today? Well, I'm a little nervous because Jacob said he had the product, <laughs> not <tense>. he has <laughs> the product. That's true. 
That's good. Uh, I have not had one in my possession in a long time, but if I were to bet, I'd say that the company's still making benches on benches. I think they're doing great. I bet they've got good, steady growth. You know, they probably did some more distribution deals. Maybe they redesigned some of it. I don't know. Uh, I bet they're doing great. Well, spoiler, there are still Menches on their benches. Uh, <laughs> nice. And this time, Menches come with uh, friends because not only is the company still around, uh, but they've actually expanded their plushie family uh, to mm. include Dreidel Dog, <laughs> Hannah the Hanukkah Hero, Mitzvah Moose, <laughs> and more. So they've got so many oh different options, uh, even yeah. if you don't want your Mensch on a bench. As of 2021, their net worth was $3 million, and it's steadily growing. So Mensch on a bench. We applaud you. Very nice. The whole universe. <laughs> it's, it rivals the MCU. <laughs> yeah. The Meta Mensch universe. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Next up in the tank is the Modern Christmas Trees Company. So this comes to us from a founder, Matt Bliss, and he is asking for $100,000 for a 10% stake in equity, which averages out to about a million dollar valuation. So Modern Christmas Trees illuminates the holidays in a new and memorable way. And it's essentially these concentric collapsible rings that together with their glass ornaments and crystals, kind of make a collapsible but floating Christmas tree. So it's inspired by art and light and modern technology. Uh, they come in a full tree option, a half tree option, and a tabletop jubilee. I love it when people throw in the word jubilee. <laughs> it stores flat, easy to take down, and it is design worthy and beautiful. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, for those listening, uh, seeing this thing, it's kind of like a Venetian blind, but if a Venetian blind was like uh, round or circular and uh, had like a bunch of bedazzles on it, like that's kind of, <laughs> that's what I'm envisioning in my head here. That's a very good analogy because that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> it's a Venetian blind. It's He's a selling Venetian a Venetian blind, blind a <laughs> for like a thousand bucks with some uh, fake crystals on it. Yeah, my, my initial thought when the guy said his name was Matt Bliss, I was like, oh, he may have just landed a deal right there with that name. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then obviously you could get into this a little later. I think he he has these big tattoos on both of his forearms, one of a Christmas tree, which I believe he said was the image from the patent of the product and the other arm had a uh, image of his, a tattoo of his grandfather who I guess was the original kind of inventor of this idea. I think he passed away and he wanted to kind of do something for him. So great story off the bat with all that going on. Great presence I thought. But my jaw dropped when he said it retailed for $800. I thought it was going to be something you get at like Walmart or Bed Bath & Beyond for $49.99. Maybe. <laughs> a lot of money for concentric rings. I agree with you, Jacob, on the story. Matt Bliss was brought to tears talking about his grandfather uh, and the Alzheimer's that he got and how he created this product uh, to help connect with his grandfather and spread it to the world. It was very inspiring. And Matt Bliss is clearly all in. I'd love to see an entrepreneur who's all in. And so I am cheering for Matt Bliss. And I will just get that out there because mm -hmm. I want to separate my enthusiasm for Matt Bliss from my <laughs> disdain for the product. Uh-oh. Because I have absolutely... <laughs> oh, basically, they're trying to go in for like a luxury goods positioning, charging... The retail price is 800 bucks to buy one of these Christmas trees for the standard size one. 
which is just luxury positioning hands down, but it doesn't have a luxury brand. It doesn't have luxury positioning. It doesn't even look luxury. Like to me, like I had a very visceral reaction looking at it. I was like, oh, God, no, don't put that up. Like the lights, like showing all over the place. Like I want the soft glow of a Christmas tree. I don't need like a laser light show out of my concentric rings, you know? So I had a very negative reaction personally to the design aesthetic the brand modern christmas trees like it, if you want to go luxury positioning you have to do a brand that is going to sound a little weird a little off and you don't quite know what it is it's like he's rolled out a functional positioning via his product name modern christmas trees but functional positioning only works if you are basically competing on features and cost neither of which he's actually competing on his best bet would be to go super hard at luxury. If he doesn't want to bring his price down, which might be tough for him because the unit cost of making one of these is 230 yeah. bucks. I feel That's like he's crazy. like handcrafting them out of like some sort of <laughs> rare earth metal in his basement. Like, <laughs> like seriously, I don't know what he's making them out of. Uh, so I think he needs to go one of two directions. He either needs to stick with modern Christmas trees, bring it way down and try and just inspire people to try something different. Or he needs to go way further up and charge even more for it, rebrand the whole thing. And ideally just focus on like, I don't know, getting picked up by one of the luxury goods conglomerates just as like a niche product that gets distributed through their stores. That's what I would do. One thing that I don't think we should also breeze by is like it it is in like contract with major retailers like Brookstone and Frontgate. Like I thought that was, True. that's not nothing. Yeah, I don't know what a deal with them looks like. Like how many of any one thing does Brookstone buy? <laughs> They buy like 20 of a weird thing and are like, I hope somebody buys five of these weird things, you know? It's true. Clearly, uh, like, I, I think there is a market for it. Uh, it's not me. It doesn't feel to me like it's going to be a big business or a breakthrough business. And I think that it needs to do a lot of work to reposition the whole thing to fit within that niche well. And so for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> As the sharks say themselves a lot of times, I don't know anything about this business. I don't want to get into this business. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got two of our most important sharks out. And I would say the the episode sharks also very much are in line with our opinions here. You know, you had Kevin really talking about like, you have a material challenge. This is really niche. There's a price point problem. Robert, Kevin, and Lori were basically out because it was so expensive. But it was interesting. Barbara, yet again to the rescue. We love a Barbara who loves a holiday. <laughs> and uh, Barbara actually revised her offer. And it was that 18% deal uh, with that royalty deal kind of uh, folded in at $5 per tree, despite the trees that ultimately made a deal. Very nice. Yeah. So do we think, uh, knowing what we know about uh, modernism and Christmas trees, do we think that this is still a company? I think I think it's a company. I think it's a company. I'm not sure that it is a company that is doing particularly well, but I think it's a company. <laughs> I, I hope it's a company, but I hope that they changed their strategy a little bit and brought the price down. The good news is, if you're a part of this very hyper-specific demographic, uh, you're in luck. <laughs> so immediately following the appearance on the show, Modern Christmas Trees sales actually tripled. And it's that. currently reported that the company still finds uh, $500,000 in sales each year. And 
Honestly, considering the product and honestly how much we we went against it, uh, it's actually not too bad of a deal for our holiday shark queen, Barbara. Yeah, I'm happy for them. That's great. Matt Bliss, <laughs> way to go. Yeah. Last up in the tank is... Wow, what a company. It is Hire Santa. <laughs> um, so this comes to us from founder Mitch Allen, and he is coming to the Shark Tank asking for $200,000 for a 10% stake. And that kind of shakes out to $2 million in valuation. He comes to us with a army of Santa Clauses that essentially amounts to a company where you can hire Santa. So whether it's one-time appearances or holding down the food court in your local mall, this company connects Santa with people. He's looking to slay it in the Santa game. <laughs> I had no idea there was a need for this in the market. I'll start there. <laughs> like, I, uh, it, he paints the picture that it is incredibly difficult to find a professionally trained Santa. And maybe that maybe that is true. But you know what? Uh, as he actually laid it out and as he started to get into the fact that he's doing these really big contracts with really big retailers, it kind of made sense, right? Like they don't want to have to go hire these Santas. They don't want to have to get them costume. They don't want to have to figure out if they're trained and the background checks and all these things. Like kind of a high risk situation for a retailer to like select a person that all of the local children come and... Um, <laughs> physically touch like a very high you know high high, high, risk. high risk situation nice to offload some of that risk um assuming that higher santa can manage all those logistics effectively so while i didn't know that there was a need in the market for it i bet that they could probably scale right up and largely get pretty big penetration into all the retailers who want to have santa clauses i mean obviously the the presentation walking in with an original cast of like five characters all dressed up, uh, him as an elf. Then you had a Santa, you had a reindeer, a snowman. Uh, Santa's wife, I think, showed up, Mrs. Santa. <laughs> um, and then after that, they brought in like 15 other Santas to just <laughs> waltz into the room. And this, I thought this was hilarious. They, 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 they walk in and everyone's like, okay, great, lots of Santas. And then all the Santas just sit around <laughs> the sharks, like behind they watch them. them and judge it. I know yeah. they see them when they're sleeping. <laughs> it was a real intimidation kind of maneuver, uh, which I thought was great. I, I wish we'd been able to see the daggers in Santa Claus's <laughs> eyes when they realize that he's making 40 to, you know, 40 percent margins off of their time. <laughs> yes, exactly. They didn't show that. <laughs> I could see people building these kinds of businesses in all different kinds of areas, right? The kind of unbundling of staffing for super niche things, like whether it's Santa, whether it's a bar mitzvah DJ, whether it's a home chef, I don't know. But I think if you can pick the right space, it could be like you see here, could bring in a lot of money. Yeah, for having Daniel Tiger come to kids' birthdays, that kind of stuff. Like all that yeah. stuff is uh, very locally done and very inefficiently done. Uh, I've hired characters to come to my child's birthday party. And it's like, you do a Google search. You're like, <laughs> oh, this is super sketchy. Like, I have no <laughs> idea who these people are. You fill out a form and maybe get back to you. I think you're right. I think there's a whole bunch of those that you could just roll up into this business that's largely about, you know, handling handling niche staffing needs uh, and mm -hmm. having all the tech and the reliability for it. 
I guess my question was like, there is nothing to protect you against dupes, right? Like another staffing company being like, we also do Santa. Mm. Yeah, staffing marketplaces can be great, but also can be hard. And I think the tricky thing on this whole business is it's a marketplace. You know, essentially that just means you have to have all your marketplace dynamics, right? Like if you're gonna go out and make this big pitch to all these retailers that you can deliver, that means you have to have a huge supply side of Santa's which means you have to have all the incentives right to drive the Santas onto your platform. That's why I actually was a little worried about the margins of the business. I feel like, you know, if he's taking home 40% net margins, they're going to know that. And it feels like that could actually backfire on him pretty dramatically. And given that he basically was like, Santas have this incredible online community ecosystem where all these Santas talk to each other, they're connected with each other. Like if higher Santa does the Santa's wrong, it only takes a couple of posts and they're like done. They're out, right? No Santa's for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they'll lose their whole supply side. It would be very easy for those Santas to self-organize into their own commune, if you will, and go back to those retailers and be like, I'll Santa offer platform. you, I'll offer you a cheaper rate. Yeah. So I don't think he's got his, I don't think he's got his, his dynamics right uh, necessarily. And I would be really cautious if I were him. Yeah. Just in general, I was like, is the world moving towards having more in-person Santa experiences or fewer. So take COVID out of it because that's, you know, whatever. But I actually have a feeling that if you look at the number of hours that Santas have been staffed, you know, 1990 versus 2020, I bet there's been a pretty big decline. At the same time, I think lots and lots and lots of people still want Santa photos. And if you can, (laughs) if you can... Pull together a marketplace that works and you can get good margins on it and keep your Santas happy and your retailers happy, like good for you. Yeah, I, I think it's it's also the the people that were scarred in the in the nineties are starting to have children and they're like, We're not putting you through that. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what was interesting is like it seemed by and large the money ask here was like for some strategic hiring. So the uh the founder himself was like, I can't keep juggling all the roles that I play at my company. But it was also interesting because it seemed that why he wanted the shark's investment was for marketing, which is always a really good play, uh, but also for training videos. And as someone that does training videos for an online platform, um, yeah, it takes some investment to get uh, those uh, training videos up to par. And I think it was interesting because I guess this has just like unearthed a complete just industry that I had no idea about um, and realizing that, yeah, there are apparently training videos that take a good Santa to a great Santa. <laughs> and what a niche. Who knew? I think Who knew? you can get somebody from bad Santa to good Santa. But Jory, there's no training video that can get you to great Santa. That's <laughs> that, that comes, comes from the heart. From here, yeah, the you're heart. born with that. <laughs> yeah. So that is the risk of a business that only really operates for, you know, 10 weeks a year, six to 10 weeks a year to make revenue. It's just like the revenue making opportunities are so limited. And so he has no choice but to scale really, really far, really fast. And uh, keeping his costs, you know, in balance is going to be tricky. Yeah. So are you investing as sharks? Definitely not. <laughs> okay. Like I like that he's I you know I know I've been positive on it but there's no way I'm putting my money into this thing that makes money six weeks a year and basically, where's your holiday cheer John <laughs> I, I will go to the mall and I will pay to sit down and see Santa that's where my my cheer comes in <laughs> risks are too high with the limited revenue window the yeah. few customers actually 
like a very consolidated power with a very few customers. And um, the fact that the power of the Santa community is just really, really high uh, within its online space. All those things are just big risks to me. Yeah, I would say in this company, I would not invest uh, just high risk potential for lots of legal issues <laughs> um, and dying business from my perspective, although obviously it's doing you know, somewhat well, a uh, niche business, but I would invest in uh, this guy as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He almost felt like he was, and not in a bad way, but he almost, you know, I almost got the sense he felt like he was wasting time presenting that day and, yeah. instead of, you know, setting up some more Santa visits <laughs> across the country. So, gotta push uh, more products, more Santas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure what category he falls into of why he was there. I d- he doesn't need the connections necessarily. Like, he does need money but he could easily get it. I think he was just there for his own personal entrepreneur clout where he was like, I just want to do this thing. I want to get a deal with a shark. I love building companies. As seen on Shark Tank. Yeah. Yep. And like, I want to work with Barbara or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the points that you both mentioned uh, were brought up by the sharks, right? Like Lori was like, there's a very specific selling window for this product, so I can't really see myself investing in it. Mark Cuban was like, you know, this is a staffing business. It's all about chasing contracts, and that's inherently risky. But it was interesting. Yet again, uh, we have Barbara coming in to save the day, this time from Kevin, who at first offered the $200,000 for a 50% stake. So he was like, I will, I will partner with you right down the middle. Thankfully, our entrepreneur was like, whoa there. Uh, no, that, was a, will... that was an incredible exchange, though, because Mr. Mm-hmm. Wonderful's like, all right. It's not worth two million. So how about 50-50 partnership for 200K? <laughs> and our entrepreneur was like, let me counter. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful was like, okay. And he's like, how about 15%? He's like, what? That's not like really, that's not a realistic counter. Like, you guys are just off. It's just like you said 50. How about 15? Did I hear yeah. you wrong? Was that 50 or 15? That's what I uh, as soon as like the initial investments uh started to be like recounted for and then uh, equity dropping. Uh, that's when you saw like Damon pop up and say, I'll go in on that. Um, <laughs> but it was ultimately Barbara that in the holiday spirit of Barbara uh, made the counter offer that she would go in for $200,000 for 50%. And then when she regained her investment, that would drop down to 10%. And that was the deal that closed in this in this episode. So I, I like studying d- like offers and deals like this, because I like to actually figure out what is the equivalent just straight up (laughs) equity offer, right? Mm. Like I can never tell if people just get excited because it's like different. It's like, oh, like I get 50% up to this. And then like, it's like, okay, sure. Like faster speed to return. But um, so I did the math on it a little bit. And I think basically doing this deal where they say up to making your investment back, uh, you get 50%. And then after that, you get 10%. I think it's basically the same as giving up about 20% of the company, you know, okay. and I just like, I may base that on like a three year, just assuming they're in business for three years and they, you know, grow at some rate. But um, so if you're just doing some comparison there, like uh, it's kind of the same as him giving up 20% of the company. And I'm not sure like the financial engineering of it or whatever. I think it was more like fluff than it was like really meaningful. I think it was more just, oh, that feels different, de-risks it a little bit. That's fair. So in terms of hire Santa, um, knowing that there was this handshake deal with Barbara, do we think it's still a company? Uh, I do. I think uh, the reason I say that is mostly because of the projections he said he was uh, 
projecting. Uh, when was this pitch done? So this was done in 2018. I think they're out of business. Mm. I think the pandemic gutted them. Oh, that's a good call. Nobody was sitting on Santa's <laughs> lap during COVID. That's for sure. <laughs> that, no one was going near Santa. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, can you imagine what a Grinch I would be if I would took away Santa from Christmas in our holiday episode? No, and I come bearing good news. So this is actually very much still a company. Uh, we did get an update. So this was still a little bit like pre-pandemic and it was Barbara walking around like blooming New York with an entourage of just Santas in tow. As of 2019, it was very much still successful. The company did take a huge hit during COVID um, because obviously malls and different locations really locked down and uh, there was no sitting on the lap of old St. Nick. But the company does currently offer uh, $50 Zoom Santa appearances. And then as we start to move away from the pandemic, definitely still kind of back end uh, operating in the US. So Hire Santa is, is cool. still around after Shark Tank. I'm happy for them. That's great. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Today's episode was written and produced by Matthew Brown. And guys, we need to talk holiday cheer for just a second. You've left over 150 reviews on Apple Podcasts so far, and uh, it's a classic Grinch heart grows three times its size situation. As Rainey says, first time listening and I love it. And we love you. And Jay Nixon says, funny, insightful, and on point. If you're decking the halls or lighting the menorah this week, go ahead and tell your friends, your family, your lifelong nemesis neighbor down the street, whoever, tell them about another bite. After all, word of mouth is the greatest podcast gift there is. I'm Jory Monroe, and see you next week for another bite.